is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Well, it's getting kind of interesting out there, isn't it? So you have the deputy director of the FBI, who should have recused himself in the Hillary investigation and the Trump-Russia phony collusion investigation, uh, given the fact that his wife was a high-profile politician and candidate in Virginia running for the state Senate with the full support of the Democrat Party and Hillary Clinton chief bagman, the former governor of Virginia, McAuliffe. Over $700,000. What they're all upset about, you see, is whether the President of the United States actually asked this man who he voted for. Now, that, that apparently is uh, over the top. But the fact that this man didn't recuse himself, and let me tell you the standard. It's the appearance of a conflict of interest. Not an actual conflict of interest necessarily, just the appearance of a conflict of interest. When you're a senior law enforcement official, that's all that's needed. Same with a federal judge. Because you're expected to be objective, you're expected to be able to conduct yourself without any patina of partisanship. So the president asked who he voted for, and of course the media and the Democrats are all excited about it, the same median Democrats who all but ignore all the partisanship that we have seen on behalf of Hillary Clinton and by McCabe. And his name pops up in a text where uh, Stroke and Page are talking about an insurance policy. And But here's the bigger issue. As you know, I can't listen to all these shows during the day because I'm doing Levin TV and so unless I'm in the car and I pick something up. So I don't know if anybody said this, but I doubt it. To me, this is the big issue that locks this down. When you go to the FISA court to get a warrant to spy on somebody, that's not just done at the lowest levels of the FBI. That works its way up toward the top of the FBI. The FBI director and certainly the deputy FBI director. The deputy FBI director is a career civil servant. And that's why the top career civil servant in the FBI is supposed to look at these things or approve these things. The issue then is, what was in that FISA application? You know, I keep coming back to this. I brought it up a year ago, and I'm going to keep bringing it up. What was in that FISA application? And it's my understanding, I believe, that members of the House Intelligence Committee, among others, have seen it or seen parts of it. McCabe would have signed off of that. If not, I'd be shocked. If not, I'd be shocked, particularly in a high-profile case that involves somebody in Trump world. You understand that probable cause in a counterintelligence investigation is different than in a criminal investigation. It's not probable cause that a crime was committed and so forth. It's probable cause that fill-in-the-blank is a foreign agent. And more than a foreign agent, it's that fill-in-the-blank is a foreign agent working for a foreign government, actively, affirmatively. 
Now, on what basis, on what conceivable basis would they be able to not just apply for, but secure from a federal judge a warrant that somebody in Trump world was a foreign Russian agent working for Vladimir Putin and his government? I suppose it's conceivable. But to persuade a federal secret court to issue a warrant under those circumstances is really quite remarkable to me. That's where the dossier comes in. That's why this is so important. Because I suspect without that, they wouldn't have gotten their warrant. And that's why I've been saying now, month after month after month, that that dossier had to have been used. Look, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't have the facts. We're trying to get all the information. But I'm putting one and one together and coming up with two. I've been right so far, right? Which means, likely, the deputy FBI director would have known that, would have approved it. I don't even know if this four-page memo that's been talked about now for a few weeks will reveal it or provide us with the ability to draw absolute conclusions. We'll see. I'm sure there's some interesting information in there, even if it's not some kind of a smoking gun or what have you. But it's fascinating to me how hard it is to get to the bottom of this with the former FBI director, Comey. With the deputy FBI director, or former now deputy FBI director, McCabe. And the other senior officials at the FBI. To determine whether they used the dossier or not. I told you before, all they have to say if they didn't use it is no. No, we didn't use it. We didn't use that. We didn't use a kumquat. We didn't use a ham sandwich. My point is, if you didn't use it, it's not classified that you didn't use it. You're not going to reveal anything, not any strategies, not any techniques, not any patterns, not anything substantive, nothing. You're not going to reveal anything. And they've been asked time and time again, and their answer, this Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general I've never liked, this guy said, well, we'll wait for the inspector general's report. Wait for what? What does the inspector general's report have to do with that specific question? Rosenstein knows the answer. And if the answer is no, we did not use that dossier. Why would we use that dossier? It was paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. It was washed through a law firm notorious for supporting Democrats. It went into Fusion GPS, a notorious opposition political organization, which then used Kremlin surrogates, operatives, to feed false information. Why would the FBI use that information? So why couldn't the current FBI director, Ray, or the former now FBI deputy director, McCabe, Say so. And my conclusion is because in whole or part the dossier was used. That's why. And again, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's, this is a conspiracy theory. This is a matter of trying to figure out what's taking place and the rationale for these answers. So the first reports in the media were that Mr. McCabe stepped down being the great patriot that he is. And of course, the media, a chorus line of media propaganda rockets dancing across the stage. 
Left leg up, left leg, right leg, right leg, turn to the right, turn to the left. That's what they do. Uh, are blaming Trump. Trump did this. If Trump did this, it's impeachable. If Trump did this, it's obstruction. If Trump did this, he, uh, he pierced the veil of independence for the FBI. If Trump this, Trump that. What the hell does Trump have to do with this? Of course Trump wanted this guy out. We all wanted this guy out. The appearance of a conflict was overwhelming. He should have been out a long time ago. Even according to one of the texts, one of the senior FBI officials thought this guy should have gotten out. But he didn't get out. Why? So now the speculation is about Trump. Are you kidding me? Now, again, we have to go back to basics here. Trump has the power as president to fire any subordinate he wants. That's the Constitution. That doesn't mean you can't be impeached for it or that the House, then the Senate do this, that, and that. But as a strictly constitutional slash legal matter, of course he can. Of course he can. Just like he fired Comey, the leaker. Comey, the leaker, and Comey, the cover-up artist. Comey, the obstructor, in the Hillary Clinton case. Uh, and um, we'll see what the memo says. You know, there's two things about this memo, too. On the one hand, the Democrats are already spinning it. Whatever's in there is not important. Whatever's in there is a distraction. Whatever in there is a cover-up. Whatever in there is the Republicans undermining the FBI. Whatever. Got it. Okay. Democrats, media, that's their position. Others are saying stuff like, this better be a killer, the way it's been sold. See, I don't view things that way. We'll look at the memo. We'll draw our own conclusions. I don't really care what politicians say. They're not the ones that matter, in my view. We'll look at this memo, which has been put together by Nunes and Gaudi, see what it has to say, and put the pieces back together. We've already... Look how much information we've gotten, despite the obstruction from the FBI and the obstruction from the news media. Most of the news media in this country, as a matter of fact, the overwhelming majority of the news media in this country, have had zero interest... Zero interest in determining the extent to which the FBI has abused power. They've had zero interest in Mr. Comey's leaking. They've had zero interest in the head of counterintelligence and his girlfriend and their texts. As a matter of fact, the opposite. They were furious with the FBI for releasing them. They're furious with Nunes and Gowdy on this memo for urging that it be released. As a matter of fact, this fraud... This phony moderate senator from uh, West Virginia, Manchin, there he was on Meet the Press attacking Nunes and the House Intelligence Committee, how they've done a great disservice to America. This guy, Manchin, hadn't done a damn thing in the United States Senate. Can anybody tell me one thing this jerk has done? And everybody sits around with, what's Manchin going to do? We're going to get it to Manchin vote? Screw Manchin! Or uh, Susan Collins, you bet uh, uh, we should pass a law to protect Mueller, you idiot. You're going to pass a law to protect Mueller? As I went through the other day, does she even know how laws are passed? Let's see. The House and the Senate pass a bill that goes to the president and he signs it. That's how you get a law. Why the hell would Trump sign this? First of all, it undermines the Constitution. It undermines future presidents. And why would he tie his own hands, even though he shouldn't? 
fire the guy for political reasons. But there's Susan. Oh, a moderate. No, she's not. She's a left-wing kook. No, no, you don't understand. She's a moderate. She works with the Democrats. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Democrats, the minorities, are uh, behind the microphone. Apparently, the Republicans have now voted to release the memo. The president will have five days to look at it, up to five days. Uh, we'll see what he does. I suspect he won't take five days. Uh, but Schiff is out there spinning, 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 and not a single Democrat voted to release this memo. And they, they demanded that a Democrat minority memo be attached. And the Republicans said, no, we're voting on this. Go ahead. Uh, good evening. I want to uh, give a quick uh, briefing on the events in the committee this evening. I think we have uh, crossed a, a deeply regrettable line in this committee where, for the first time in the 10 years or so that I've been on the committee, uh, there was a vote to politicize the declassification process of intelligence uh, and potentially compromise uh, sources and methods. Um, I made a couple motions uh, this afternoon or this evening. Uh, first, we scheduled the hearing today or the business meeting so that the minority memoranda could be made available to the members of House, the House uh, that had been misled by the majority's memoranda. Um, we expected that vote to be non-controversial, and it was. Uh, the House members will now have access to the minority memoranda. I made a secondary motion that prior to the public release of either memoranda, that the FBI and the Department of Justice have the opportunity to come uh, and brief the entire House in a classified session uh, on both memoranda, on the, the underlying facts and the underlying materials, uh, so that the committee could make a responsible judgment as to whether the memoranda should be made public. Um, that motion was voted down by the majority. Um, the majority expressed a concern that something in the minority memoranda or otherwise uh, um, could compromise sources and methods, and for exactly that reason, we asked that both memoranda be vetted uh, by the FBI and the Department of Justice, uh, but that, vo that was voted down. Uh, I spoke with the director of the FBI uh, earlier this afternoon. Uh, he expressed his strong interest in being able to brief our committee uh, prior to any release of these materials about concerns that the Bureau and the Department... Uh, All right, that's enough. Let, let's cut to the chase here. Here's the problem. What the Republicans on this House Intelligence Committee understand, and for which they are to be applauded and even celebrated, is that they start bringing in the minority to do this, they start bringing in the FBI to do this, there'll be leaks all over the place. Because Mr. Schiff or somebody on that minority side leaks like a sieve. I don't know who it is, but they leak like a sieve. The FBI leaks like a sieve. The Republicans control the House. They control this committee. This isn't about breaking tradition or anything of the sort. They have their hands full with a senior, with senior levels of the FBI that have gone rogue. They've gone rogue. That's what those text messages tell us. This goes to the heart of this republic. This goes to the heart of the republic. Mr. Schiff is not concerned about the politicization of the FBI. He's concerned about uh, Republicans on his committee moving forward, doing what they said they were going to do. Doing what they said they were going to do. 
Uh, it's very interesting to me that the minority is getting all this attention on TV right now because they serve the purposes of the media and vice versa. Mr. Schiff also said, and I just didn't want to play it anymore, that the president has put his personal interests above the national interests and apparently so have the Republicans on the committee. Pretty outrageous, don't you think? Says the majority memo is distorted, as you would expect him to say. Uh, and so he's on a rampage now. He's on a rampage now. You and I, we will decide for ourselves what we think of the contents of this memo. Uh, and Mr. Schiff and the others will have to defend it. But we're in a position now where the Democrat Party is in complete cover-up and obstruction mode for rogue, senior-level FBI executives. Because they want to take out Trump. They do not want you to have a balanced understanding of what's taking place. They don't want you to have any understanding of what's taking place. None. The Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee, led by Nunes, who is really a hero in this, has gotten as far as he's gotten without any help whatsoever from a single Democrat. And in fact, every step of the way, they've tried to obstruct him, smear him, file ethics complaints against him, and on and on and on. It's tough. I know, for one week, ten days, I was under the same attack. But uh, we'll get more and more of this information, hopefully soon. So the Republicans have voted to release the memo. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Let me, let me make this as simple as I know, so even Brian Stelter at CNN can understand it. Maybe not. The FBI surveilled a candidate, a political campaign, Trump world, if you will. There was surveillance during the course of this campaign. They got a FISA warrant about a week before the election. The Obama administration, the Loretta Lynch Department of Justice, the Jim Comey FBI, and then Deputy Director McCabe, whose wife is a big Lib Democrat in Virginia. It was never right. Something was always wrong about this. Something was always wrong about this. And you see, here's the concern. The Hillary Clinton and Democrat National Committee campaigns and organizations paid money to an organization that hired an ex-British spy who worked with, among others, Kremlin operatives to put together this document. The document winds up in the Democrat administration, the Democrat government, if you will, in the hands of the FBI. They got it in various ways, from Christopher Steele, the expert of Stye, from McCain and his staff, among others, and probably other ways, too. This document was being pushed out, it was being circulated within the media. The FBI went to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to get a warrant, that is, a legal sanction 
to conduct domestic surveillance on a member or members of Donald Trump's campaign. And if, in fact, they use the dossier, that means the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC funded the, ba- the, the, the material that was used as the basis or a basis for surveilling an opposition campaign. Jim Comey knows what took place, but he hadn't, he hadn't said anything. Mr. McCabe knows what took place. One or both of them may have signed off on this. Others at the FBI knew what took place. The Democrat Party has absolutely no interest in getting to the bottom of this. None. The Democrat Party is covering up for these activities. Because it further exposes Hillary Clinton, it further exposes the DNC, further exposes perhaps Mr. McCabe, whose wife is obviously a liberal Democrat operative, supported heavily by McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia and close to the Clintons. It exposes Comey. And the only actual collusion that we're aware of that involves Russia, that we're aware of, is the collusion between the Clinton campaign and the DNC through straw men to the Kremlin, which provided information to try and derail the Donald Trump campaign. And yet, the narrative has been completely the opposite. And one of the reasons the narrative has been completely the opposite because these texts suggest that Mr. Stroke and Ms. Page were leakers. Other information that we've got today suggests that Mr. McCabe is a leaker. And we know that Mr. Comey is a leaker. We also know that at the highest levels of the FBI, they ran interference for Hillary Clinton. The outcome was cooked two months before they even interviewed her. These same people, pretty much, including Mr. Stroke, were involved in triggering the investigation of the so-called Russia collusion with Trump world and associated leaks to the media. The media, which are not interested in reporting facts to you, not interested in getting anything straight, when you watch Brian Stelter or Don Lemon or Chris Cuomo, or Wolf Blitzer, when you watch Rachel Maddow, Joe Scarborough, Mika Brzezinski, and the rest, when you watch these people, Andrea Mitchell, as well as the networks and so forth, they've made it abundantly clear that they think Donald Trump is the threat to the republic. And so, given their own progressive ideology, which is radical left... They're out to get Trump for a lot of reasons. To set the stage for the Democrats to take power, to impeach him, what have you. They have no interest in civil liberties anymore, except their own. They talk about the First Amendment, but the First Amendment actually belongs to you and me. Not to just these news 
corporate entities belongs to each of us as individuals too. Now the FBI at the senior levels is out of control. Mr. Mueller was the director of the FBI when they used to bring in CARE and did all these other political agenda items that were pushed by Barack Obama. Oh yeah, you don't remember. I remember. Where he was changing the language of the FBI, changing the focus of the FBI, making it more, of course, socially responsible. Much of the problems at the FBI really were created by Mr. Mueller, followed by Mr. Comey. So this is a very, very big deal. And the Democrats are throwing as much mud against the wall as they possibly can on process, on votes of the committee, on red lines being drawn, and they're getting a lot of help from Republicans in the Senate, I'm sad to say. If we get to the bottom of all this, it'll be thanks to the House Intelligence Committee especially Chairman Nunes and several others. Jordan, Gomert, DeSantis, etc. And I, I must remind you that the people on this committee are not all conservatives on the Republican side. And many of them are former prosecutors at the federal state level. Some have been judges. <clears throat> so they try and dismiss this committee and dismiss the Republican majority. Now as for sharing this information with the FBI... The fact of the matter is, it's the FBI that's under investigation at the most senior levels. It's the FBI that's under investigation. It is the Democrat Party that's running interference. Not because they like the FBI, they hate the FBI. But they like their top guys at the FBI, and they like what they tried to do to Trump. And their mission is to get Trump. Not to fix the FBI, not to expose their own guys at the FBI, certainly not to follow the trail of the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. That's their mission. Adam Schiff is essentially the Democrat Party campaign chairman, dressed up as the ranking Democrat on the House Intelligence Committee. Now there is a reason Mr. McCabe, now the former deputy director of the FBI, left Really, just a month or so before he had announced he was going to leave. It's not because Donald Trump couldn't stand the guy and was tweeting about the guy. That actually happened some time ago, weeks ago. Nothing Donald Trump has tweeted would have caused this man to resign prior to his uh, announced resignation date in March. I mean, hell, it's the end of January. Nothing Donald Trump did or the White House did triggered any of this. So as a, again, logical, rational matter, it has to be something that Mr. McCabe had done. Did he sign off on that FISA application? Did that FISA application include the Hillary Clinton DNC funded dossier? And if it did, as I suspect it did, but if it did, we now have one of the greatest scandals in American electoral history. Regardless of what the media say or the Democrats say. 
that you actually have the Obama administration surveilling the campaign of the opposition party running against his endorsed candidate and the Democrat Party's candidate, Hillary Clinton. That is a spectacular failure. A spectacular failure of the FISA court process. That is a spectacular act of tyranny by certain people at the senior levels of our government. And as Harry Truman said, the buck stops with Barack Obama. It stops with the president. The next series of issues that need to be explored, and I keep talking about this too, is how much of this information was known by the White House. We know that Mr. Comey liked to brief the White House. He liked to go to the White House. We know that Valerie Jarrett liked to claim that she knew everything that was going on in every department and agency, and everybody had to go through her. We know that Susan Rice was an activist as ambassador to the UN and as the national security director to the president of the United States. Absolutely wrong position for a political hack like her. And then her deputy was even worse, Ben Rhodes, who bragged about misleading the media and the American people in the Iran deal. One of the greatest portrayals of America as applies to foreign policy that I have ever heard of, have ever read of. And we now know, thanks to Josh Meyer at Politico and two spectacular articles, what exactly Obama and Kerry and the others did to sell out our country. You may find this all rather hard to digest. I want to remind you this is the same administration that unleashed the FBI on the Fox News Channel's reporter, James Rosen, that unleashed the FBI on the Associated Press. That, in fact, conducted more surveillance of the media than any prior administration, to our knowledge. This is the same administration, as the great reporting by John Solomon pointed out, that did more unmasking of individuals, including Americans, during the course of their surveillance activity, than any prior administration, as far as we know. Unmasking meaning revealing the names of individuals, their identity, who are, who are innocent and caught in these federal surveillance activities, such as, say, if you're wiretapping the uh, Russian embassy and the ambassador gets on and he's speaking to an American. We still haven't gotten to the bottom of that. We still have not gotten to the bottom of that. There's two things here. Number one is, this is an incredibly dark part of our history that is now unfolding before you. You're learning about it before it's in the history books. And on the other hand, it's nice to know there's still some courageous men and women with integrity like Devin Nunes, among others, DeSantis, again, among others, who are dogged 
and who insist on getting to the bottom of this. I'll be right back. Mark for your business but short on time but you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes to find your perfect hire you know you just need the right tools smarter tools zip recruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click then zip recruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply that's why zip recruiter is different unlike other hiring sites zip recruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you it finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. One day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, you, my listeners, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Yep, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. One more time to try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's Levin. All right. See if we have any callers. I've, uh, let's see. Let's try one. How about Davis, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sirius Satellite. How are you? I'm fine, sir. Did you hear me? I agree yes, with we're you good. I agree with you about how sinister and what an incredible uh, scandal this all is if it were properly reported. I have two primary comments, and that is uh, that the reason that we're going through this and that administrations like the Obama administration can do what they do is because we have many legislators, and unfortunately that includes of both parties, who have totally abandoned their responsibility to protect the Fourth Amendment, and we have a judiciary which has totally abandoned its responsibility to protect the Fourth Amendment. So that well, I, I have to I have to take a little bit of a, a difference there with you, which is if you're an illegal alien or you're a uh, recidivist, uh, or even if you're a terrorist, they've they've now. Um, Granted, uh, habeas corpus on terrorists in World War II, they never did that. Uh, they bend over backwards to uh, to protect you, and they even confer constitutional rights. Some of these federal district judges, early on on the uh, president's executive order on immigration, they were conferring due process rights on foreigners who have no connection to the United States whatsoever, except their desire to come to the United States. So you're talking about the you know the American citizen, and in that you make a good point. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on the illegal, illegal aliens. That's not the point of my call. The Fourth Amendment is warrantless search and seizure of people's papers, effects, communications. And that's where the, the Congress and the judiciary have totally basically abdicated their responsibility. They have a responsibility to protect the Fourth Amendment, and they've passed this mass surveillance legislation. They've put this stupid FISA court into effect, and that's what enables, you know, corrupt politicians like Barack Obama and his administration to get away with these illegal searches and seizures and get well, away. Well, I, I think, I think uh, you know, there, there's, there's a point to which you go that I agree with. 
And if what took place is what I've been surmising since March 2nd of last year, this whole court business needs to be looked at because those judges on that FISA court are supposed to be, they're in secret, there's no public review, there's no real reporter review, there's nobody except the court, pretty much, and the FBI and the Department of Justice. So if that judge is going to roll over, then we have no protection whatsoever when it comes to these FISA applications. So I would like to know the names of the judges. I would like to know the names of the judges or judge who approved this. And we want to see the application so we know what the basis is for it. Now, the Democrats don't want to and the media don't want to, but we do. I'll be back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know what, let's, I think I need to get to some basics here, because I'm hearing some things on television during the break that are really troubling to me. First of all, as the gentleman said who called before, we have a Fourth Amendment that requires a warrant to conduct a search. A warrant to conduct a search. Now, we didn't always have a FISA court, you know. We didn't always have this secret court. And so what would happen is the Justice Department of the FBI would have to convince a judge, they have to file uh, with the with a federal judge, a regular federal judge, and they would file their document in secret, seek a protective order and other kinds of coverage, and the judge would look at it and have to make a decision about whether or not it should be public. Because you need to understand that only in exceptional cases are these things supposed to be secret, including cases that involve the potential release of classified information that might harm our national security. Now, the court can order the release of classified information if it's not going to harm our national security. Just because the federal government claims it's classified doesn't necessarily make it so. So that was the point of that. So we've created this FISA court now, Congress has. It's a secret court given the ubiquitous nature of terrorism and uh, the Chinese and the Russians trying to steal our secrets and so forth. And the court exists not in the case of criminal investigations, but in the case of counterintelligence investigations, okay? Counterintelligence. Because in the case of criminal investigations, they're still required, except for some tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of a fraction of matters, they're still required to be public. And the whole point of the Fourth Amendment is so the government, the federal government, uh, doesn't abuse its powers vis-a-vis the individual. Vis-a-vis the individual. And the framers of the Constitution experienced this kind of abuse from the Crown, the Brits. And so they enshrine this in the first set of amendments, the Bill of Rights, um, that were proposed by the first Congress 
after the adoption ratification of the basic constitution. So now we move to today. I keep hearing this is raw intelligence. What's raw intelligence? Raw classified information? What's raw classified information? You're talking about a majority of Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee of different philosophical leanings, some more conservative than others, some rhinos, some with a prosecutorial background, some not. To a man and a woman, they voted to release this report. So I ask you a question. Do you think any of them would have voted to release this four-page memo if they actually thought the information contained in that memo would harm our national security? On the contrary, I think they've reached a conclusion And they rarely ever agree with each other. I think they've reached the conclusion that not to release this information will harm our national security going in the future. To not release this information will harm our intelligence activities in the future. To not release this information will have given cover to behavior, either institutional or by individuals, that is unacceptable in a republic. We should be thanking them, whatever the memo says, whether it's some blockbuster memo or not. The rule is the rule. The principle is the principle. They call this the FISA abuse memo. On March 2nd, when I took to the airways behind this very same microphone and spoke to so many of you, I was told, I was attacked by CNN, being told, how do I even know there was a FISA warrant issued? Now we're at the point of a FISA abuse memo. So you can't rely on CNN or MSNBC or any of these news outlets to tell you the truth or even try to get to the truth. This guy McCabe all of a sudden decides to get out. He announced he was going to get out of March. All of a sudden today, after his new boss, the FBI Director Ray, looks at the memo apparently yesterday, he's out today. And they're blaming Trump for tweets he put out in December. Well, if Mr. McCabe was so thin-skinned as a big, tough deputy director of the FBI, where he couldn't take Donald Trump, why didn't he resign earlier? This has nothing to do with Donald Trump or his tweets. And if they did, it wouldn't matter. But they didn't. Something else took place. And if... Mr. McCabe resigned for reasons relating to that FISA application. What does it say about Mr. Comey? I'm just throwing the questions out. We're going to find out soon enough. I have a great concern. I will not be here Thursday or Friday. It's all good, but I just won't be here. That this damn thing's going to be released on Thursday or Friday when I'm not around to dissect it. That would be a terrible shame. But that's just me. But... So let's hope it comes out Tuesday or Wednesday. The president doesn't have to wait five days, you know. But isn't it interesting to you that the people who are trying to get to the bottom of this, the people who have shown throughout their careers that they are earnest, that they are studious, people have shown throughout their careers, I'm talking about these Republicans on this committee, that they're not extremists, that they're thoughtful, all of a sudden they're right-wingers and they're partisan and they're, and they're more than excited about releasing classified information. We know that's not true, and yet, let me ask you this question. The same newspaper that published the Pentagon Papers, 
the same newspaper that publishes national security secrets as fast as it can get them, the New York Times, is suddenly concerned about classified information. Isn't that interesting, Mr. Producer? Not concerned about classified information. It's constantly about scoring points. Now, Mr. McCabe is a leaker. Mr. Comey is a leaker. Mr. Strzok is a leaker. Ms. Page is a leaker. Now, we know about Mr. Comey because he was caught. We know about Strzok and Page because they said so, essentially, in their own text messages. And now we know about Mr. McCabe, thanks to Howard Kurtz, with the Fox News Channel's brand new book, Media Madness, Donald Trump, the Press, and the War Over the Truth. And as he points out in an excerpt in his book, Rince Priebus, listen to this story, Rince Priebus was chairing a 7.30 a.m. intelligence meeting when one of the participants, Andrew McCabe, asked to speak to him privately. McCabe, the deputy FBI director, closed the door and told Priebus, we want you to know that everything in the New York Times story is bull S, BS. The Times, you see, had quoted unnamed sources in reporting that Trump campaign aides and associates had repeated contacts with senior Russian intelligence officials. CNN had carried a similar report. Oh, there's that CNN in the New York slimes. Priebus pointed to the three televisions on his office wall. Here's my problem. They're going 24-7, he said. Can the FBI say what you just told me? McCabe said he would have to check. Priebus thought he might come out of this a a, uh, freaking hero. A few hours later, McCabe told him the Bureau couldn't start the practice of commenting on newspaper stories or it would never end. Give me a break, Priebus said. I'm getting crushed all over the place, and you won't say publicly what you told me privately? James Comey called later. He said, we really can't do anything about it. But Comey said he'd be willing to tell the Senate Intelligence Committee that the the, uh, charges were bogus. He was sure its members would repeat that for the cameras. Now, let me just stop. That shows you how sleazy and gutless this Comey is. We can't do it, but I'll tell members of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and they'll blurt it out. Let's go on to the main point. Now, a week later, CNN was airing a breaking news story naming Priebus. Priebus. According to multiple U.S. officials, they reported, the FBI rejected a White House request to publicly knock down media reports about communications between Donald Trump's associates and Russians known to U.S. intelligence. You hear that? Priebus was stunned by the implication that he was pressuring law enforcement. Had he been set up? Why was the FBI leaking this information when one of its top officials had initiated the conversation? Comey assured Priebus that afternoon that he hadn't done anything wrong, but the story reverberated for days. Is Rinch Priebus lying about the FBI? Slate asked. Rinch Priebus should resign, a Boston Globe columnist demanded. The damage was done. See, either Comey or McCabe leaked it to CNN and the New York Times. They brought it up to Priebus. Priebus said, well, why can't you tell the public what you're telling me? They come back and they said, we can't. And then they leaked to the New York Times and CNN that Priebus was pressuring them to put out a story. 
Is that not the sleaziest thing? Mr. McCabe, who the Democrats are defending. Mr. Comey, who the Democrats are defending. Mr. Mueller, who the Democrats are defending. They have no interest in the rule of law. They don't care about police state tactics. doesn't bother them at all. And the New York Times, the New York Times yesterday was already running interference for the Democrats and, of course, for the media on this four-page memo. Here's the story by one, two, three different reporters. A secret, highly contentious Republican memo reveals that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein approved an application to extend surveillance of a former Trump campaign associate shortly after taking office last spring, according to three people familiar with it. If that's true, it is absolutely shocking, by the way. How Rod Rosenstein didn't recuse himself. A secret, highly contentious Republican memo reveals that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein approved an application to extend surveillance, that's the FISA court, of a former Trump campaign associate shortly after taking office last spring, according to three people familiar with it. And of course, Rosenstein has never revealed that. Rosenstein knows exactly what's in this FISA application. He knows exactly what took place. He knows if the dossier was used. The renewal shows that the Justice Department under President Trump... Now, isn't that interesting? The Justice Department under President Obama... You never heard those words. You never heard those words pulled together. But now the Justice Department under Donald Trump... And we know he has no control of the Justice Department, which is part of the reason he's very frustrated about this. But the New York Times uses these phrases and these words to tilt the story, just like the Republican memo reveals. Not the majority of the House Intelligence Committee. The renewal shows that Justice Department under President Trump saw reason to believe that the associate, Carter Page, was acting as a Russian agent. But the reference to Mr. Rosenstein's actions in the memo, so you see the Democrats are already leaking to the New York Times. This is why the, the Republican majority had to plow ahead without them and without giving FBI an opportunity to review anything other than the director. A much-disputed document that paints the investigation into Russia election meddling is tainted from the start. So there, that's not a news report. That is the three reporters for the New York Times burping up the minority's view. Indicates that Republicans may be moving to seize on his role, that's Rosenstein, as they seek to undermine the inquiry. Now, if that's not loaded, so the Republicans want to undermine the inquiry. Undermine the inquiry. They're not trying to get to the facts. They're not trying to hold these officials responsible. They're trying to undermine the inquiry. Has the New York Times ever reported that kind of a story with that kind of language when it comes to the Democrats investigating any element of the executive branch? The answer is no. No. The memo's primary contention is that FBI and Justice Department officials, see the leaks? failed to adequately explain to an intelligence court judge in initially seeking a warrant for surveillance of Mr. Page that they were relying on, in part on research by an investigator, Christopher Steele, that had been financed by the DNC and Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Well, there you go. This is why the assault, not just on Nunes now, 
but the House Intelligence Committee Republicans. This is why the assault on me, the verbal assault on me back in March, getting too close to the fire, weren't we? Democrats who have read the document, so the Democrats are leaking, shift, or one of them, some of them. But they're very, very concerned about classified material, don't you know? And of course, so is the New York Slimes. Say Republicans have cherry-picked facts to create a misleading and dangerous narrative. Yeah, they always say that. But in their efforts to discredit the inquiry, Republicans could potentially use Mr. Rosenstein's decision. So in the effort to discredit... Let me ask you, are these guys the press people for the Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee? Are these three reporters working for Adam Schiff, working for the Democrat Party, much like the Fusion GPS guys did, work for the Wall Street Journal before they became Democrat hacks? Out of the closet. But in their efforts to discredit the inquiry, Republicans could potentially use Mr. Rosenstein's decision to prove the renewal to suggest that he failed to properly vet a highly sensitive application for a warrant to spy on Mr. Page, who served as Trump foreign policy advisor until September 2016. I'm telling you, this is absolutely incredible. They're giving us their game plan right now. He failed to properly vet a highly sensitive application for a warrant. In other words, when they went for the renewal, didn't he know the dossier was in there? Ladies and gentlemen, the FBI has been leaking to the New York Times and the Washington Post on this investigation from day one. And when I took the headlines from the New York Times, when I took the headlines from the other outlets that Strzok and Page and others were leaking to, and I pasted them together in a rational way, and I said, what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is domestic political surveillance of one campaign and administration against an opposition. They went nuts. And now you know why. I'll be right back. Mark this is very, very serious business. And I would commend to you the New York Times piece from yesterday. If you read it with the understanding that we've just discussed, with the proper mindset, you will see that they are laying out the leaks from the Democrats, where the New York Times and the Democrats are going with this. You will also realize that the New York Times, among other media outlets, are protecting their sources. And the sources are top FBI officials which is probably one of the reasons they're not really digging into this, because they already have answers. They already know the answers. So what they're going to do is participate in serving as Democrat Party surrogates and smearing those who've put this together. If I had told you a year ago that the Democrats and the FBI uh, were using FISA to conduct domestic surveillance of, a, of, a, uh, of an opposition campaign, you would have thought I was nuts, right? And yet that's exactly what I told you. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, the conscience of conservatism. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811. You know, what's fascinating about this New York Times piece is it's basically a brief uh, against Trump and a brief for the leakers at the FBI 
the sources for the New York Times. And these reporters know exactly what's going on. But then they bring up and regurgitate this stuff about how Trump was mistrustful of Mr. Rosenstein, and for good reason. How Trump had wanted to remove Mueller, true or not, you can certainly understand it. Ladies and gentlemen, let me, what's going on here is there is a, a, a coup attempt taking place. Not of the old third world kind and so forth, but through the senior level of law enforcement, some of the highest levels in the intelligence agencies, by the Democrat Party and the media. They want them out. They talk about the 25th Amendment. They talk about impeachment. They talk openly about it. They, they have been tagging him with obstruction of justice since day one for carrying out his presidential duties, which can't be obstruction of justice. They're thrilled about a special counsel who's hired nothing but left-wing activists, one in particular, this guy Andrew Weissman, who's been admonished by courts in the past and reversed by the Supreme Court on 9-0. to zero. Why would a guy like Mueller pick him? Why would a guy like Mueller be friends with Comey? Why would a guy like Mueller conduct himself the way he did in the Uranium One matter? The president sees this stuff. He's no fool, and he's trying to figure out how to deal with it. And he's being told, you can't fire this guy, you can't fire this guy, you'll be impeached. you got Susan Collins and Lindsey Graham saying we ought to pass a statute to protect Mueller. You have the media and the Democrats and some Senate Republicans covering up for the senior levels of the FBI, telling us that if you actually expose what's going on, that somehow you're attacking the men and women who make up the, uh, the uh, FBI, the magnificent heroes that work there. So the president is he's, he's trying to figure out how to get out of this box. That's what he means when he says, when you fight back, they call it obstruction. In other words, when he points out this guy McCabe for what he is, when he points out the Strzok and Page for what he reads and what he sees and what they are, when he points out Comey, fires Comey, the leaker. When he, ta- when he says, I'm troubled by this guy Rosenstein, he is actually voicing everything we're thinking and watching, too. And yet, here we have the New York Times. This is a great piece, not because of its journalistic integrity, because these clowns exposed themselves. Secret memo hints at a new Republican target, Rod Rosenstein. So the New York Times is protecting its sources, the leakers, out of the FBI and the Justice Department. And even if the individuals aren't leakers, they're people who support, defend and advance the leakers. The New York Times is, is already positioning the controversial Republican, the contentious Republican memo. They're already positioning. They could care less about civil liberties or the Fourth Amendment, as the gentleman who called rightly brought up. They care less about corruption at the highest levels. They're on the same team here. The same team which is to drive Trump from office, to drive the Democrats back into office, and to advance their progressive agenda. The New York Times isn't to be trusted. The New York Times, and I've said it many times, in the teeth of the Holocaust, refused to report in any significant way on the Holocaust. How do we know it? Because they've admonished themselves decades later. Oh, we should have. Woe is me. We should have. Hey, a little late for those six million Jews. And this is a newspaper owned and operated at the time by a Jewish family, two Jewish family. But why are they be trusted now? Why is this the paper of record? It's the paper that every birdcage should be lined with. It's the paper that every fish should be wrapped in. 
You know, ladies and gentlemen, maybe you cannot stop time. But you can definitely watch those saggy, droopy eyelids disappear with Chamonix's brand new Genesel eyelid treatment. Here's Michelle from Modesto, California. I love your new Genesel eyelid treatment. It really did a great job lifting and framing my droopy eyelids. Bravo, Chamonix, for this innovative and much-needed product. Now, you can read Michelle's full review and many, many more at Genesel.com. For a limited time, the brand-new Genesel Eye Lift is yours absolutely free when you order Genesel for bags and puffiness under the eye. And for results in 12 hours, the Genesel Immediate Effects is also free with your order. Go to Genesel.com right now for extra saving coupons or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And for the first time ever, Chamonix is offering free three-day shipping and free returns on Genesel.com. And for a new year out without bags, puffiness, or droopy eyelids, go to 800-SKIN-604. Give us a call, 800-SKIN-604. That's 800 skin 604, very simple toll-free number. It's the easiest way to get to them. Easiest way to get to them. This New York Times piece goes into the criticism that the president has had for a number of these people. And the warnings the Republicans have had, the extraordinary recklessness of what they're doing. Why would the New York Times care? The New York Times... History is filled with extraordinary recklessness. The New York Times history is filled with reporting classified information. Again, the Pentagon Papers, but many more examples. And same with the Washington Post. The Washington Post had Deep Throat. Deep Throat was the deputy director of the FBI. Imagine that. Isn't that ironic? He was the deputy director of the FBI in charge of the Watergate investigation. And he was leaking the information to Woodward and Bernstein. It's not that they were great reporters. They were great stenographers. They couldn't believe their bum luck. The deputy director of the FBI is handing them every fact about the investigation. Front page, front page, oh, Pulitzer Prizes, and this prize, that prize, oh, bonuses, everything. Same thing's going on here. Ladies and gentlemen, they concocted an investigation against the Trump campaign and the Trump transition. They manufactured one. That's why you don't read headline after headline with example after example of collusion between Donald Trump and his family or his campaign and Putin and the Russians. Where is it? There are none. There are none whatsoever. None. Did the Senate Intelligence Committee find collusion between Trump and his family members and his campaign with the Russians? If so, they haven't told a soul. House Intelligence Committee hasn't found any. How about the House Judiciary Committee? No. How about the Senate Judiciary Committee? No. How about the hundreds and hundreds of reporters that have been reporting on this, quote-unquote, for going on 18 months now? Have they found any such thing? No. They have not. That Howard Kurtz piece is very, very interesting about Mr. McCabe and Mr. Comey, the leakers. But there's another thing about this story that I want to tell you. I want to read to you again what turned up when they set up Priebus. 
I'm looking for the quote. Here it is. CNN quote. Quote, according to multiple U.S. officials, said the CNN, the FBI rejected a White House request to publicly knock down media reports about communications between Donald Trump's associates and Russians known to U.S. intelligence. So not only did they stab Priebus in the back for something Priebus never even did, but they put out the word out there, and this is the first time or the only time or the last time, that in fact there were there were acts of collusion between Donald Trump's associates in campaign and uh, Russians known to U.S. intelligence, leaving the impression of wrongdoing. And Mr. Mueller has been at it for, what, about a year, soon to be a year, spending a lot of money, kicking down doors, guns open, I mean guns drawn, threatening people with false statements and other things of that sort. Now, you might say Mr. Mueller has to finish his investigation. Well, maybe he does. But even the media lackeys who, again, cover for his staff, which also leaks, they no longer talk about Mueller finding or looking for collusion. Now they're on the obstruction trail. Obstruction. They're not looking for collusion because there is no collusion. And if Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein did in fact approve the extension of this illegitimate warrant based on an illegitimate application, look at it this way. Essentially a FISA application paid for by the Hillary campaign and the Democrat National Committee. That's really what we're talking about. Well then, Mr. Rosenstein does have a lot to answer for even though the New York Times immediately runs to his defense, which suggests that he has a cozy relationship with the New York Times. Notice there's only certain Trump officials in the administration that the New York Times attacks, only certain officials that the Washington Post attacks. Let me tell you something. When, when they don't attack certain officials, it's either because they agree with their policies or they're leakers and they protect them. When they go after somebody with both guns blazing, it's either they disagree with their policies or they refuse to leak. It's really quite that simple. Let's go to an opposition fellow. Vincent, Sacramento, California, Sirius Satellite. Go. Thank you, call. Uh, first of all, I'd like to laud the FBI investigative team for the efforts in, uh, on this investigation. and also. Uh, so who is in the investigative team? Well, the Mueller team. Okay, uh, he's not the FBI investigative team. He's a special counsel. If they're inconsistent, aside from from backlash, they will come out flying colors. Who will come out in flying colors? The investigative team that's involved. Well, how how do you know anything? They'll come out in flying colors. What does that mean? Well, let me just let me just interpret. Here. No, no. Why don't you answer my question? What does that mean? They'll come out in flying colors. What does that mean? I mean, as they spearhead the investigation into a possible corruption on behalf of Mr. Mr. Trump, the possibility that's that- not what they're investigating. Possible corruption on behalf of Mr. Trump. They're investigating. At least they were told to investigate collusion. Now, being the 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 very sharp person you obviously are, based on your current presentation. Do you have any evidence that the uh, uh, that the uh, that there's any collusion? 
give me just a side. Okay. No, I want. It's a really simple question, pal. Do you or don't you? Well, the possibility that like, uh, they could. Exist. I didn't ask yeah. you about possibilities. Do you have any evidence of collusion? No. Has there been any evidence leaked or presented above board in the media of collusion? Yes or no? Yes. Where? Yes, it's, it's raw. Raw. Uh, uh, it has to be get out the phone, you idiot. Call some other show where they tolerate you and they're proud of the fact they don't yell at people. Go ahead. I can't take it. All right, let's continue. Dan, Greensboro, North Car- Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Yes, sir, doing well. Uh, first off, Mark, appreciate everything you do. Um, I was telling your screener, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran law enforcement officer of over 30 years. Most of it has been in federal law enforcement. And I can tell you, while there is a concern about besmirching, you know, specifically members of the, of the FBI, et cetera, the, the people in the field aren't the problem, and they're not the ones that, that are going to be offended. Obviously, the left and the media would like to point a finger and, and blame Trump for, you know, besmirching the FBI in this case. But the people in the field, you know, they do their job. It's these administrators, and from experience, because of the way the system's set up, the people that get promoted oftentimes are the people that either can't do the job or are willing to move their family uh, numerous times to let get to Let me tell you something, Dan. First of all, I want to thank you for your service as well. But let me tell you something. I have no question whatsoever that the men and women of the FBI who listen to this program, who are not in the upper echelons, know exactly what I'm talking about. They know who their friends are in the media. They know who their friends are in Congress. They know who their friends are in the White House. They were thrilled that Hillary lost. They are concerned that the Democrats not take Congress. Uh, it is a it is a it is a liberal Democrat media mantra that those of us who are concerned about the integrity of the upper echelons of the FBI are somehow attacking the FBI. It is the same liberal Democrat media uh, complex. That is attack local law enforcement, that attacked the FBI when they thought the FBI was giving Hillary a problem. So I know the FBI agents out there, whether they're special agents, field agents, or whomever they are, they know full well exactly what I'm talking about. And they know full well that there is a huge problem here. And I know because some of them come up to me and introduce themselves. All right. You're absolutely right. And, and uh, once again, I listen to you often. And really appreciate what you do. Thank you, sir. And I appreciate what you do, you've done, too, in law enforcement. It's a tough field. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. If you're searching for the perfect Valentine's gift, look no further than 1-800-Flowers.com. 1-800-Flowers.com. They make it simple to find beautiful bouquets. That's why they're my Valentine's go-to. And right now, for a limited time, you can get a dozen multicolored roses for only $29.99, delivery included. Now, you might be saying to yourself, look, this is a couple weeks away, but these discounts, these deals... They're not a couple weeks away. They're now. 
That's right, a dozen multicolored roses delivered for only $29.99 or upgraded to 24 multicolored roses for only $10 more. And delivery is included, but only for this week. See my point? Only for this week. So don't miss out on this amazing 1-800-Flowers offer. This gorgeous bouquet of roses in a rainbow of colors is the perfect Valentine's surprise she's guaranteed to love. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked at their peak. They're shipped overnight to ensure freshness and her amazing. A dozen multicolored roses for only $29.99 delivery included. Or an upgrade to 24 multicolored roses for just $10 more is the perfect reward for thinking ahead and ordering early. That is now. When it comes to Valentine's, I don't settle for anything less than my rose authority. 1-800-Flowers.com Now, to order a dozen multicolored roses for $29.99, delivery included, or upgrade to 24 multicolored roses for only $10 more, go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon, and enter code LEVIN. That's the key to getting the discount. Again, order today. Order today so you don't forget. Get the discount. Save at 1-800-Flowers.com, code LEVIN. You gotta hit that radio icon, type in L-E-V-I-N. 1-800-Flowers.com, code Levin. Mark, El Paso, Texas, the great KTSM, quickly, go. Hey, Mark, honor to speak with you. My question Thank is, you. if, what would happen to you if you failed to do your job for an entire year? Because I know what would happen to me. <clears throat> yeah, right. we'd be out. Exactly. So I expect a whole bunch of pink slips to go out after this year and this failed budget. And yet everything's continuing as normal. They it, they get a year to pass the budget, and they took one year and one day. Uh, Let me tell you something. Do you know how many people get fired, local, state, and federal employees? you know how many people get fired a year? Exactly. Probably count them on one hand. All right, my friend, I appreciate your call. I shall return. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, sadly, three hours is never enough. Certainly not for me as I walk through these things. Uh, we're not abandoning this issue by any means since we helped ignite it. We are going to add another matter that is of profound import uh, to our conversation tonight. That's this matter of immigration. Immigration for the Democrats has come down to this. Since they could not convince enough people to vote for them in numerous presidential elections and other elections, they decided to change the voter. They decided to change the voter. And that's what's taken place. They have changed the voter. And they are committed to this. And 20 years ago they weren't, and today they are. When the uh, talking points came out, from the White House on uh, the immigration proposal, as you know, on this program, I was appalled. 
absolutely blown away that we went from seven to 800 individuals who uh, the question was whether they were going to be legalized to giving citizenship to 1.8 million people. And I pointed out at the time, uh, that's not correct. It's far more than that when you take into account chain migration. I got a lot of pushback from the cultists who said, no, uh, that's not the case because the president's going to eliminate chain migration. And, of course, that's not the proposal. The proposal is the nuclear family would stay intact so the parents can come over, the brothers and sisters can come over, and so forth and so on. And because the president now wasn't even talking about seven or 800 legalized, he was talking about 1.8 million uh, receiving citizenship, the actual number is closer to over 3 million. 3.6 million is pointed out in USA Today. So the number builds and builds and builds. And I also pointed out to you that there would be individuals, commentators in TV and radio, who would find this a brilliant uh, stroke of genius by the president and the administration to expose the Democrats as opposing what? Legalization? And yet you see, folks, when the Democrats take the presidency in the House and the Senate again, and they will, uh, they'll ram through whatever the hell they want to because they're good at it and we're not. Even the Washington Post, by accident, Reveal the 11 million figure. I hadn't read this editorial, but over at Hot Air they did, and they pointed this out very, very early this morning so all the other talk shows could pick up on it and pretend they saw it. And here's what they wrote. President Trump has laid out a framework for immigration reform. This is the post. It can't be the final answer, but it contains the elements of an imaginable deal. Legislators who want to get to yes should seize on those elements and start working. Yeah, and why is that? One key to success between now and February 8th The deadline Congress has set for itself is not to try to solve the entire immigration conundrum. A grand bargain is certainly imaginable. At some point, Democrats would get legal status for the 11 million undocumented immigrants in the country in exchange for stricter limits on and some changes in the nature of immigration going forward. 11 million undocumented immigrants would get legal status. And for the Washington Post, that means, eventually, citizenship. 11 million. I think that's pretty damn close to the figure that I calculated, wasn't it, Mr. Producer? I said, let's be conservative. Something to the effect, let's take... uh, 1.8 1.8 or 3 million and multiply whatever the figure was. I think we got 9, 10, or 11, 12 million, something like that. And they're right, and I'm right. So we're not talking any longer about children, not that we ever really were. We're talking about illegal aliens, almost all of them getting legal status, and the vast majority of them becoming citizens. I said 12 million. Mr. Producer went back. I said 12 million. Well, then the near, the Washington Post is off by 1 million. 12 million. And you can kiss away the presidency virtually for all time, unless you get a Democrat running dressed up as a Republican. Because these numbers are just overwhelming. And, of course, the Washington Post and the Democrats want this number without securing the border. So the goal here for the progressives, whether they're dressed up as journalists or 
politicians or tenure professors, whatever they are, is to change the voter because they couldn't change our mind to vote for them. So the politicians are now changing the voter. They're changing the voting base. They're changing the population. They're changing the citizenry in order to accomplish what they want to accomplish, which, of course, turns the country inside out. This is quite shocking. And yet it's going on, it's going on. See, the Democrats picked a few states, and they did experiments. And they took the biggest state in the country, the most populous state, and quite frankly, the most important state. Look, I'm not in California, I'm in Virginia, but it is the most important state in terms of resources and population and this, that, and the other. Okay. Now, they took a state that elected Republican governor after Republican governor after Republican governor. A state that voted for Republicans for president, Republicans for president, Republicans for president, including George H.W. Bush, who won California. And turned it, in 20 years or less, into a state that Republicans cannot win an election statewide unless they throw some phony liberal actor up there. They cannot win an election statewide. It's a cakewalk for the Democrat nominee for any of the constitutional offices in that state. It's a cakewalk for their Senate candidates. I mean, they even ran that Rhino Whitman, a multi-billionaire who spent a fortune, and she got 44% of the vote. So the Democrats look at California and they say, hell, that's Ronald Reagan. He won the governorship twice. He won two presidential landslides there. He was even by his name and party affiliation to carry George H.W. Bush over, and now We've completely reversed course because of legal and illegal immigration. And you know who saw this? Pete Wilson saw this. And he got behind a proposition called Proposition 187. And he defended the hell out of it. And it actually passed. And a ACLU-related judge overturned most of the proposition. He saw it coming. They all saw it coming. And now California is a one-party state. It's a one-party state. You'll get 40, 44, 45% Republican, <clears throat> but that's pretty much as much as they can get out there. And I feel horrible. I've got a daughter, a son-in-law, two grandchildren, and a son all living out there. And I've told them to get the hell out of there. And so the Democrats see that and they say, hell, we can do this for the whole country. We can do this if we can just consistently win Florida or turn Texas. It's over. It's absolutely over. Look, I remember when Nevada voted Republican in presidential elections. I remember when Colorado voted Republican in presidential elections. Virginia voted Republican in presidential elections. The Democrats had a hell of a time winning the popular vote, and cobbling together the Electoral College. We've won the presidency twice. Let's just be honest with ourselves here. This is important. In 2000 and in 2016 on the Electoral College, which is the only way you can win the presidency. But it is a message that we lost the popular vote in both those elections. You can say whatever you want while you loaded them up in California. Yeah, they loaded them up in California. We used to load them up in California, but we can't do it anymore. We can't do it anymore. You can only lose 
the popular vote in so many states where you eventually can't overcome the defeat even with the Electoral College. You just can't. And the window gets smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter. This is why what was proposed by the administration was so frustrating, if not depressing. This is why the Democrats don't give a crap. They'll shut down the government again. It's just a temporary bump in their long-term plans. Temporary bump. Big deal. We'll get the White House. We'll get the House, the Senate. Then we'll ram the whole damn uh, thing through. And the president is proposing what is effectively 11 million illegal aliens getting legalization, even worse, ultimately citizenship, with the promise of a border wall. But it's going to be hard money. We're going to set up a trust. Yeah, where's the highway trust fund money? Gone. Where's the trust fund money in the two trusts and Social Security? Gone. Give me this trust fund crap like we're idiots. You get money for part of the wall in the first year. The Democrats take over. They kill the whole thing. How do we know this? Because that's what they keep doing. The idea that we're debating on whether to secure our southern border. Why can't you secure the northern border? Why? Because the Canadians aren't rushing into our country. That's why. We can't even secure our border based on national security sovereignty, criminal, and other reasons, that's not persuasive enough because the Democrat Party is about the Democrat Party. Because for the Democrat Party, it is their goal to devour the civil society. You know, I hate to bring it up, and I've said it how many times, a half dozen times, the progressive movement is the bastard child of Marxism. Now, what's the most important entity in a Marxist-slash-communist-type country. The party. The party is the country. It's the party. This massive administrative state, which is quaintly now called what? Um, whatever it's called, the swamp. or The administrative state, I've written about this for over a decade now. That's the permanent government. This permanent government, all these departments and agencies, and not all, but too many, the vast majority of the people who work there, they're an appendage, essentially, of the Democrat Party. They advance the Democrat Party's agenda. That's what they do. So in many ways, the Democrat Party and, quote-unquote, the state, the administrative state, in many ways are one and the same thing. When you get a guy like Trump in there, he says, you know, the upper echelon of the FBI want to address that. Obstruction! Obstruction! He says, you know, I want to, I want to make sure the people who are coming here aren't going to harm us. So, you know, there's certain countries, uh, we're going to put them on the, oh, look at that! Can't do that! Can't do that! So he can't do anything. If he listens to them. Can't do anything. This is the thing that the uh, psycho jobs like Scarborough and these other phony uh, conservatives or one-time conservatives or whatever the hell they are. This is what they don't understand. What's at stake? Their sensibilities are so offended by tweets and so forth. This is what they don't get. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Horowitz over at Conservative Review taking a look at immigration. He has a list of the 30 top countries of origin among the immigrants who received green cards in 2016. And they supply 76% of the immigration pool. Number one by far is Mexico. Number two is China. He says, note how Mexico dominates our legal immigration system in addition to sending us most of our illegal immigrants. Mexican nationals were the recipient of twice as many green cards as the second country on the list. And this has been the case pretty much for every year over the past few decades. In fact, since 1965, 50% of all immigrants came from Mexico and Latin America, 29% from Mexico alone. Is that fair? Is that diverse? Who voted for this? Obviously, as neighbors, we are bound to have a flow of immigrants from Mexico, but does it make sense that we should admit 15 times as many from Mexico as from our neighbor Canada and do so year after year after year for decades? Not a single European or Western country is among the top 20. Canada's number 25. The UK's number 26. No other Western country even registers in the top 30. Seven Islamic countries, several of which are on Trump's moratorium list, are on the list. And they've been moving higher every year. From watching the trends over the years and having some background on this issue, he says, rather than solely from the chart numbers, it's clear that the top source countries of our immigration are not dedicated by, are not dictated rather by merit, but primarily by chain migration, diversity lottery, refugees, asylum, quasi-amnesty policies that allow certain illegal immigrants to obtain green cards. This is not the immigration system America voted for. Nor is it the one that was promised us in 1965, 1980, and 1990. Most of the top sending countries score the worst on important factors. In a purely merit-based immigration system, country of origin wouldn't matter that much. But since it is not merit driving our immigration system, the welfare usage, poverty rates, English language proficiency among the immigrants from differing countries matters a great deal. So let's take a look at some of these factors. Stephen Camerata, the Center for Immigration Studies, did a comprehensive analysis, and he looked at the top-sending countries, and he called the data from the census status uh, uh, statistics based on the countries that had the highest population of immigrants currently living in America as of 2014. So, because that's a different measure from the top green card recipients in 2016. All right, fine. Now, what did he find? Some striking observations. <coughs> Poverty. The top 20 sending countries, only immigrants from India and Far East Asian countries, are at or near the average poverty rate of the native population, 30.8%. Immigrants from Canada and the UK are also below the native rate, but they are way down on the list in terms of immigration numbers. Iran is the exception, as its immigration poverty rate tracks closely with the native rate. But we have other security-related problems from some of the immigration from the Islamic Republic. So what he's saying there... In most of the top 30 countries, most of the top 20 countries that send us the most immigrants, they're much poorer than our poor in this country. Welfare, once again, immigrants from India, Canada, the UK on average have much lower usages of welfare among heads of households than native families, our own people. While immigrants from most of the other countries on average have higher or much higher rates of welfare usage. If we presume Nigerian immigrants are less impoverished than the average base of their generally known high levels of education, 
we can likely conclude that immigrants from only five of the top 30 sending countries of lower welfare usage than natives. Again, his point there is that the vast majority of countries sending people into this country, those people, most of them, are using welfare. Most of them are much poorer than a poor American. Most of them, when it comes to English proficiency, are quite poor. This is a problem. And it's year after year after year, pretty much in the top ranks, the same countries or similar countries, switching positions. But Mexico is always the top country. What kind of diversity is that? What kind of diversity is that? What kind of immigration policy is that? You've got a failed country to the south of our border with massive, horrific crime going on. What kind of diversity immigration is this? I'll be right back. You're listening to Denali. The Great One. The Great One. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. You know, do you have a free subscription to Imprimus? A free subscription? In fact, here's your chance to join a community of 3.7 million conservative Americans who read Imprimus every month. And as always, it's free as part of Hillsdale College's efforts to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. You can subscribe now, absolutely no charge ever, at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, my site features the Imprimus edition by my friend Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale and the world's leading scholar on Winston Churchill. Dr. Arn shares three key lessons we can all learn from Churchill. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. Now, Dr. Arn tells the inspiring story about Churchill's courage and what you and your children can learn from him about making wise choices. This terrific piece appears only in Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest from Hillsdale College. Imprimus is one of the most widely read publications in the country, with a larger circulation than the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. It features a very best in conservative thought from heroes of the cause. Read this inspiring edition and start receiving Imprimus free every month. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right. I haven't taken many calls this evening, so why don't I jump in? John, South Bend, Indiana, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Mark, I was uh, going back to what you were talking about earlier with the uh, all this uh, the Mueller investigation and everything. I just find it uh, I find it ironic that the Democratic Party it was so against the Patriot Act, now defends the people who want to abuse the FISA Act, which, if I remember, was created under the Patriot Act. Isn't that a fascinating point? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, yeah. Well said. Well it's said. Kind of, it's just a shame. It shows, it shows us how far south the party's gotten. And not the, the Republicans, too, but the Democrats worse. And yet it's the biggest party in the country, the Democrat Party. That tells you something, too. Thanks for your call, John. Be safe out there. Trey Gowdy on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace on the special counsel. He has a message for all of you out there. Cut four. Go. 
Do you still trust, after all you've heard, do you still trust Special Counsel Robert Mueller to conduct a fair and unbiased investigation? 100 percent, uh, particularly if he's given the time, the resources, and the independence to do his job. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. The time, the resources, and then who's stopping him? Somebody have a time watch, uh, a watch shot on him? The resources are endless. Independence, who's, who's stopping him? He says he trusts him 100%, even after all these choices of hires he's made. He doesn't even have a curiosity about that. That's why I'm not a big Gowdy fan, ladies and gentlemen. He can get on the floor and give him a pretty good closing argument as a former federal prosecutor. But he's not particularly uh, impressive to me. And he needs to change his barber. Go ahead. He didn't apply for the job. Uh, he's where he is because we have an, uh, an attorney general who had to recuse himself. No, 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 no. He, he didn't apply for the job. What does that mean? So he was plucked for the job by his buddy Rod Rosenstein. doesn't matter if he applied for it or not. He accepted it. And when you accept that job, there's a certain level of objectivity you're supposed to bring with it. Go ahead. Mueller didn't raise his hand and say, hey, pick me. We as a country asked him to do this. And by No, the way, we as a country did not ask him to do this. We as a country had nothing to do with it. Why are you wrapping him in the flag, Trey? Go ahead. Two, two, there, there are two components to his jurisdiction. There is a criminal component, but there's also a counterintelligence component that no one ever talks about. Because Actually, everybody talks about it. Certainly, I have repeatedly. They've taken a counterintelligence investigation, as I've said, as our buddy Andy McCarthy has said, and they've now criminalized it. Go ahead. Sexy and interesting, but he's also going to tell us definitively what Russia tried to do in 2016. Now, how is he going to tell us definitively what Russia tried to do in 2016 when you knuckleheads can't do it? You can conduct your own investigation. You're supposed to be conducting it. You're the head of the government oversight committee. You're going to rely on Mueller and 16 people when you have access to God knows what? And you can subpoena information, too. You see, this is a setup that's going to hurt Trump. Because you have goofballs like this. And what they're, and, and Mueller is going to say at the end that, that uh, Trump was obstructing, that Trump was threatening, that Trump shouldn't have done this, that, or the other. And the Democrats are going to run wild with that. Trey Gowdy doesn't really see the horizon. He really doesn't. And he doesn't call balls and strikes, either. He's a gadfly in many ways, like his... Is from from South Carolina. Not as bad. Don't get me wrong, uh, uh, Lindsey Graham. Go ahead. Last time you and I were together, I told my Republican colleagues, leave him the hell alone, and that's still my advice. So leave him the hell alone. Even though Congress has a responsibility to keep an eye on the executive branch, Mr. Mueller's different. He's above everything, and he's above everyone. Why? Because he was selected by the Deputy Attorney General, then the Acting Attorney General, as special counsel. Oh, well, don't don't say anything. So I would ask, Mr. Gowdy, should we not say anything about any U.S. attorney? Any assistant U.S. attorney? How about federal judges? Are they off the table, too? Why don't you tell us and tell your colleagues what they can comment on? Are they supposed to be blind to what Mueller has done? His conduct in terms of uh, the search that they conducted in Manafort's apartment, which was absolutely over the top. And how he's squeezing people with false statement, ridiculous charges. 
That's Gowdy. You got to keep that in mind when you hear this guy all over TV. You got to keep it in mind. I'm not impressed with this guy in the least. And then there's Susan Collins on Deface the Nation. Cut five, go. You have not weighed in yet on these two bipartisan bills that would essentially protect Robert Mueller from an undue firing. Uh, does this latest news change your calculus? Let us stop. Why do we assume it's an undue firing? The only reason Mr. Mueller is not being fired, quite frankly, is because of the political backlash. And it will be massive if the president does it, and I strongly recommend that he not. It would make the Comey firing look like a picnic. So they're gearing up to try and set him up for that. But let us not pretend what Mueller is trying to do. He's trying to overthrow this president. And the fact that he wants to interview the president about his constitutional authority to fire subordinates is way over the line. And I notice that Mr. Gowdy, who has 100%, 100% confidence in Mr. Mueller, avoids talking about the Constitution, which I'd love to discuss with him. But now we have Susan Collins. You know, she's a Republican, by the way. Go ahead. First of all, I commend the two groups of senators, Senator Tillis and Senator uh, Coons, plus Senator Lindsey Graham and Senator Booker for working on bipartisan legislation to have a strength and safeguard in the law. Oh, yeah, it's very courageous, very courageous that they're working together to pass this thing. The most courageous members of Congress, no doubt about that. Go ahead. The special counsel from a firing, and that. Was let me tell you something, genius. And let me try this again. Does anybody know how a bill becomes law? Both houses of Congress pass. It goes to the president. He signs it into law, right? Right. Why would the president sign this into law to limit his options? Even as a theoretical matter, why the hell would he do that? Number one, let's go through the numbers. Number two, since when can Congress pass a statute changing the Constitution? What do you mean, Mark? You can't pass a statute protecting a subordinate from being fired by the President of the United States. He is the executive branch. He can fire whomever the hell he wants to or order them fired. We're going to pass a statute preventing members of Congress from firing staffers? What is that? just shows you how stupid these people are, and it's all about politics. And the third point, what kind of precedent does this send for future presidents? So which subordinates can a president fire? Let's have a long list of them now. So who's going to run the executive branch? Congress? Absolutely asinine and insane. But that's Susan Collins. Oh, she's so wonderful. Bipartisan. It's bipartisan. Well, some things may be bipartisan, but they might be wrong. They might be unprincipled. They might be unethical. They might harm the country. It's bipartisan, Catherine Hepburn, Susan Collins. All right, let's keep going. Roddy, Los Angeles, California, the great 8.70 a.m., the answer. Go. 
Yeah, you know what, Mark Levin, I gotta thank you. I've been listening to you since I was a kid. Thank you. I'm a I'm a Creole guy. That's just a customized black guy in Los <laughs> Angeles, California. Yes. And here's the point. You said a point years ago that I held strong to. You talked about how they criticize everybody for racism. So I endeavored on a research project, uh, and I invented a character, Trollosaurus Rex. I've been kicked mm -hmm. off of Twitter for life, but I exposed them from, uh, from, uh, uh, Harry Truman was a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Truman was? You sure about that? Proof. I can show you proof, sir. I'm shocked I'm your to hear student. that. I can tell you proof. I don't All say right. anything I can't prove. Okay. But the point is, we have to hit them back with what you said. You said, if they want to have a debate on race, let's have it, and that's what I'm doing. So go. Yes. <laughs> now, you're right. And uh, their debate on race is just calling people racists, right? Yeah, that that doesn't work. We're, that doesn't. I don't. Uh, that doesn't affect me anymore. I don't care. Go further, like you say. And by the way, uh, I always refer to myself as an olive-skinned American. Because <laughs> I am. You're I a am. beautiful man. You're the same height as me. You can kick ass. Yeah, people think they say, "Oh, you're bigger than I thought." Yes, I am. All right, Roddy. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Kurt Lexington, South Carolina, the great WVOC. How are you, Kurt? Hey, Mark. They call me BG, the blind guy. I've been blind all my life. I got six blind people in my family out of eight, largest blind family wow. with retinitis pigmentosa. We've been all professionals working from the federal level. I work for the state of South Carolina. I know Trey Gow. He is such an, a waste of, uh, you know, spewing out the swamp, you know. Lindsey Graham. How many times I've been, have been showing him proof of administrative organized crime? Uh, Mark Sanford, when he was governor. Uh, of course, Nikki Haley was the only one who listened to me. Our current governor won't even listen to me. And, and I just, I get sick of this because the lower, I mean, from the, from education, uh, to basically all the way down, trickling down. How does Lindsey Graham keep getting elected? It's your open primary system. Elected, but it just, it just amazes me. I go to every one of these people and I say what I mean. And I, I tell blind people, I said, you know, you have this program here. And um, we have basically inducted this program to take away the taxpayer's dime, especially in rest stops. I hope they privatize all rest stops and take it away from blind people because they sit on a duff and they don't advocate. My sister, who passed away two years ago, she said the same thing. These people are lazy. And uh, I, I, we've seen immigration illegal. Don't get mad at me. I'm being yelled at. We're over the, we definitely are over the break line. Kurt, call back, okay? We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I didn't get anywhere near all the subjects I wanted to cover, but I like to be thorough about these things and then, of course, take some of your input. But I do want to tell you about something that's very, very important. It's a wonderful organization. It's called My ID Care. 
Now, maybe you haven't heard of it, but my ID care has been heard throughout corporate America and throughout the most important government departments and agencies that exist. So I want to talk to you for a minute about something I think you really need to pay attention to because it affects you and your family, and that's tax fraud. It's expected to be especially bad this year. As you know, your taxes are due soon. And it's due to that awful Equifax breach. They compromised the personal information for half of America's adults. Now, with how clever the cyber crooks are these days, you need a different kind of identity protection. You really need to muscle up, and that's exactly what I've done. You need someone who works with you personally and takes care of you and your family personally, providing best-in-the-class service. So I'm very proud that we have this new sponsor, a new partner, and that's My ID Care. My ID Care, a company that has been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years. My ID Care recognizes that individuals need stellar protection too. So they're now offering their services directly to you, my beloved audience. They're offering their services to individuals, to consumers, and they never did that before. For less than 10 bucks a month, My ID Care covers the nine types of identity theft, and they have years of experience with tax fraud, but also many different cases like medical or insurance identity theft, too. So you, my listeners, you get 15% off at myidcare.com slash mark. Let My ID Care take care of you. That's myidcare.com slash mark. And then enter promo code MARK, myidcare.com slash MARK, promo code MARK. It's the best decision you'll make. You really will. And when I heard of them and when I researched them, it was a very easy decision uh, to work with them in this very, very difficult area, this uh, cyber crime and these cyber crooks out there who are trying to rip you off and steal your pension and steal your savings, steal your checking account, steal your identity. My ID Care, they're not the gold standard, they're the platinum standard. They're even higher. So I really want you to check them out. MyIDCare.com slash mark takes you right to the spot, right to the uh, website, and then use promo code mark and get your 15% off. That is now my protection and now my parents' protection. That's how good it is. All right, let's continue. Larry, Chicago, Illinois, the great WLS. Go. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, regarding the Trump-Russia Mueller investigation, it's amazing. Like you said, that there's so many people out there that still believe that. And you have, I mean, you have the Mueller team, all the Democrats, the majority of the mainstream media and people that work for them. You could probably fill a football stadium with people looking for the holy grail that's going to tie Trump to Russia, which they're never going to find. And you have nothing after 18 months. And on the other side, you have all this information coming out. You have, you know, Uranium One, Clinton Foundation, the corruption at the top of the DOJ, FBI. And it's all because of a handful of people. I mean, you have Devin Nunez, Grassley. You have people like Sarah Carter, John Solomon, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps throw the, uh, the IG in there, Horowitz, and uh, a handful of other people that have unearthed mm-hmm. massive amounts of factual information, you know, verifiable and truthful. And it's just amazing that there's still so many people that can't, can't see it. You're right on, Larry. Excellent call. I appreciate it. From Chicago, Illinois, the great WLS. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I hope you'll check out Levin TV tonight. It's a good one. And, of course, stick with us tomorrow right here. We'll be all on top of this memo and everything else. God bless you, and thanks for listening.